0: I'm Christine Pilgrim and this is the second instalment of Frances Marion Crawford's story The Doll's Ghost. You may remember that last week we left the doll doctor, Mr Puckler, unable to bring himself to put the mended doll Nina into her box and tie it with string ready for delivery. Suddenly... Mr. Puckler's heart was quite full, and he rose abruptly from his seat and turned away. Elsa, he said unsteadily, you must do it for me. I cannot bear to see her go into the box. So he went and stood at the window with his back turned while Elsa did what he had not the heart to do. Is it done? he asked, not turning round. "'Then take her away, my dear. "'Put on your hat and take her to Cranston House, quickly. "'And when you are gone, I will turn round.' Elsa was used to her father's queer ways with the dolls, and though she had never seen him so much moved by a parting, she was not much surprised. "'Come back quickly,' he said when he heard her hand on the latch. "'It is growing late.' "'I should not send you out at this hour, "'but I cannot bear to look forward to it any more.' "'When Elsa was gone, he left the window "'and sat down in his place before the table again "'to wait for the child to come back. "'He touched the place where Nina had lain very gently, "'and he recalled the softly tinted pink face "'and the glass eyes.' and the ringlets of yellow hair till he could almost see them the evenings were long for it was late in the spring but it began to grow dark soon and mr puckler wondered why elsa did not come back she had been gone an hour and a half and that was much longer than he had expected for it was barely half a mile from belgrave square to cranston house He reflected that the child might have been kept waiting, but as the twilight deepened he grew anxious and walked up and down in the dim workshop, no longer thinking of Nina but of Elsa, his own living child whom he loved. An indefinable disquieting sensation came upon him by fine degrees, a chilliness and a faint stirring of his thin hair joined with a wish to be in any company rather than to be alone much longer it was the beginning of fear he told himself in strong german english that he was a foolish old man and he began to feel about for the matches in the dusk. He knew just where they should be, for he always kept them in the same place, close to the little tin box that held bits of sealing wax of various colours for some kinds of mending. But somehow he could not find the matches in the gloom. Something has happened to Elsa, he was sure, and as his fear increased, he felt as though it might be allayed if he could get a light and see what time it was then he called himself a foolish old man again and the sound of his own voice startled him in the dark he could not find the matches the window sill was gray still he might see what time it was if he went close to it and he could go and get matches out of the cupboard afterwards he stood back from the table to get out of the way of the chair and began to cross the floor Something was following him in the dark. There was a small pattering as of tiny feet upon the floorboards. He stopped and listened, and the roots of his hair tingled. It was nothing, and he was a foolish old man. He made two steps more, and he was sure that he heard the little pattering again. He turned his back to the window, leaning against the sash so that the panes began to crack, and he faced the dark. Everything was quite still, and it smelt of paste and cement and wood filings, as usual. Is that you, Elsa? He was surprised by the fear in his voice. There was no answer. He held up his watch and tried to make out what time it was by the grey dusk that was... "'not quite darkness. "'So far as he could see, "'it was within two or three minutes of ten o'clock. "'He had been a long time alone. "'He was shocked and frightened for Elsa "'out in London so late, "'and he almost ran across the room to the door. "'As he fumbled for the latch, "'he distinctly heard the running of the little feet after him. "'Mice,' he exclaimed feebly, just as he got the door open he shut it quickly behind him and felt as though some cold thing had settled on his back and was writhing upon him the passage was quite dark but he found his hat and was out in the alley in a moment breathing more freely and surprised to find how much light there still was in the open air He could see the pavement clearly under his feet, and far off in the street to which the alley led, he could hear the laughter and calls of children playing some game out of doors. He wondered how he could have been so nervous, and for an instant he thought of going back into the house to wait quietly for Elsa, but instantly he felt that nervous fright of something stealing over him again. In any case, it was better to walk up to Cranston House and ask the servants about the child. One of the women had perhaps taken a fancy to her and, even now, was giving her tea and cake. He walked quickly to Belgrave Square and then up the broad streets, listening as he went for the tiny footsteps, but he heard nothing and was laughing at himself when he rang the servant's bell at the big house. Of course the child must be there. The person who opened the door was quite an inferior person, for it was a back door. But the man affected the manners of the front door, and stared at Mr. Puckler superciliously under the strong light. No little girl has been seen, and he knew nothing about no dolls." "'She is my little girl,' said Mr. Puckler tremulously, for his anxiety was returning tenfold. "'And I am afraid something has happened to her.' "'The inferior person said rudely that nothing could have happened to her in this house "'because she has not been here, which is a jolly good reason why.' And Mr. Puckler was obliged to admit, admit that the man ought to know, as it was his business to keep the door and let people in. Mr. Buckler wished to be allowed to speak to the under-nurse who knew him. But the man was ruder than ever and finally shut the door in Mr. Puckler's face. When the dull doctor was alone in the street, he steadied himself, by the railing for he felt as though he were breaking in two just as some dolls break in the middle of the black backbone. Presently he knew he must be doing something to find Elsa and that gave him strength. He began to walk as quickly as he could through the streets, following every highway and byway that his little girl might have taken on her errand. He also asked several policemen in vain if they had seen her, and most of them answered him kindly, for they saw that he was a sober man and in his right senses, and some of them had little girls of their own. It was one o'clock in the morning when he went up to his own door again, worn out and hopeless and broken-hearted. As he turned the key in the lock, his heart Stood still, for he knew that he was awake and not dreaming, and that he really heard those tiny footsteps pattering to meet him inside the house along the passage. But he was too unhappy to be much frightened any more, and his heart went on again with a dull, regular pain that found its way all through him with every pulse. So he went in and hung up his hat in the dark and found the matches in the cupboard and the candlestick in its place in the corner. Mr. Puckler was so much overcome and so completely worn out that he sat down in his chair before the work table and almost fainted as his face dropped forward upon his folded hands. Beside him the solitary candle burned steadily with a low flame in the still warm air. Elsa, Elsa, he moaned against his yellow knuckles, and that was all he could say, and it was no relief to him. On the contrary, the very sound of the name was a new and sharp pain that pierced his ears, and his head, and his very soul. For every time he repeated the name, it meant that little Elsa was dead, somewhere out in the streets of London, in in the dark. He was so terribly hurt that he did not feel something pulling gently at the skirt of his old coat. So gently that it was like the nibbling of a tiny mouse. He might have thought that it really was a mouse. If he had noticed it. And that is the end of the second instalment of The Doll's Ghost. I shall read the third and last instalment next week. Goodbye for now.